Gracious God, we know that in any circumstance you are with us. And uh, dwelling on that fact allows us, Lord, to come to that place where we can say, uh, with all of our hearts, it is well with my soul. For Lord, we know that you're in control, and whatever we experience is what you allow. And that through the journey, as hard as it might be at times, you are with us. And you strengthen and you give us peace and you, you guide us. And Lord, you bring good from the toughest to most difficult circumstances. So Lord, we praise you that we can be people who rest in the knowledge that it is well with our souls because we are yours. Lord, we come to your word now. We pray that you will speak to us. We want this not just to be a time of information, but Lord, a time when your people hear from you and your spirit touches them deeply and helps them to move forward in faith. Lord, I pray for every person who is listening today that they might know that they have heard from God and that they might deepen in their walk with you. So Lord, bless this time. Speak to us now, we pray, and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the series that we're in at the moment is simply, Jesus, you've got to be kidding me. It's a series about uh, what it's supposed to be like living in the kingdom of heaven. A lot of people, as I've mentioned previously, hear some of the teaching of Jesus about life in the kingdom of heaven, and they just can't recognize it as something that they can take seriously. They can't think that this is an actual way that people might live. Somebody has called it fanciful, fanciful thinking, uh, the idea that uh, this just doesn't make sense. Now, last week, we jumped into this discussion, and in Matthew chapter 6, we learned about how Jesus said, you do not need to worry about the things you need. You focus your life on the kingdom, understanding it, living in it, building it, praying for it, and focus on God's righteousness and what that means for your life, and God will take care of all your needs so much so that you don't have to give those needs a second thought. Now, a lot of people will hear that teaching and go, that's just not possible. I, I can't do that. That just doesn't make sense. I need to make a living to provide for my family and so forth. I just want to ask before we jump into the second of uh, this series, have you been able to do that this week? Have you been able to embrace the kingdom of heaven and live in its reality more this week than the week prior so that you haven't worried about things that you need? Left that to God so that you could focus on and have you focused on his kingdom and God's righteousness. I hope so. And I hope as we move forward in this series, you're learning to engage the kingdom reality more and more and more according to the teaching of Jesus. Well, the passage that we're going to look at this week is quite similar in a way to the Matthew 6 passage that we looked at last week. Uh, it's it's uh, one of those instructions that Jesus gives, a, a description of reality in the kingdom that some might look at and say, that is an outlandish proposition. Like, that's ridiculous. You don't really believe that. Um, when I get into this, some of those of you who are followers of Jesus might think, but Chris, what that verse says is not outlandish. Well, give me a little time, and let's see where we can go with it. But to begin with, I want to read this passage to you. It's from Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. And I want you to think about it from the perspective of someone who does not believe in God, who does not follow Christ by faith. So listen to this text and 
tell me what you think, uh, or think what you think as we go. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now again, from a non-believer's perspective, I think a lot of people would listen to something like that and respond to this phrase. Let's focus in on, as I would like us to do today, ask and it will be given to you. They would say, so you're actually suggesting, as a follower of Christ, that you can bow your head before God, assuming God exists, and ask him for something. And that God, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe, the creator of all that exists, the one who is almighty and all-powerful according to your Bible, will actually hear your prayer along with the prayers of the 1.3 billion other Jesus followers in this world. Not only will he hear the prayer, but he will actually respond to what you have said. People from that perspective would consider this instruction in, of Jesus, this, this description of kingdom living as ridiculous. That can't happen. God answering your every prayer? Please. Well, the reality is this, is, this is pretty straightforward teaching by Jesus. Ask, and it will be given to you. That is kingdom reality. That is a principle of life in the kingdom of heaven. That is what being in the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus is saying his, to his disciples. Us asking and God giving. Us asking and God responding by giving what we ask for. So, Matthew chapter 6, last week's sermon, you need food or drink or clothing, just ask God and then move on to other things and he'll take care of it. No need to give it a second thought. He's on it. He will give what you ask. Jesus is saying, this is to be normal in my kingdom. This is to be common, a common experience for those who live in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'd suggest for the followers of Jesus, if they will really take this teaching seriously, they will consider it outlandish as well. They, they actually do, in my mind. Because as soon as you mention this to people who are followers of Jesus, they immediately begin to qualify or even explain away Jesus' teaching. They might say something like this. Well, yes, God is going to give to you what you need, but it's only what you need, not what you want. And all of a sudden, this instruction starts to get limited. It starts to, to shrink in terms of the potential. Some people might say, but God will only give you what you ask if you ask according to his will. Everything else is not going to happen. So ask, but it's not necessarily going to happen because you know what? Knowing the will of God is not always that easy. Others might say, well, you have to believe that what you ask is what you're going to receive. That's a requirement for getting what you ask for. And all of a sudden, a lot of people will throw up their hands as this potential shrinks even farther because 
for many people, that's beyond them. Others might say, well, God answers, but he answers our prayers. He gives us what we ask in God's time, not our time. It shrinks a little more. Sometimes others will say, God says no to our requests. Now think about it. Ask, (laughs) Jesus says, and it will be given to you. But then people say, ask, and God will say no. How does that fit together? What does this mean? You see, I want to suggest to you today that believers tend to want to explain away this instruction, this clear teaching about life in the kingdom, because in their lives, it doesn't happen very often that they ask and actually receive from God what they ask. It's not all that common in their experience. As a matter of fact, for some people, asking and receiving from God is a rare experience. See, in the kingdom of God, while people are in it, they're not experiencing its full reality. And for these folks, I would suggest to you that Jesus' teaching in this instance is nice and it's it's, it's, it's an ideal, it's, 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 it's something that we would all wish to experience, but it's wishful thinking because it's not reality. How about in your life? How about in your life? Are you experiencing the reality of the kingdom by asking and receiving from God those things which you ask for? Is this dynamic, is this experience of God normal for you? Or is there something more that you might take hold of? Well, Jesus follows this instruction about kingdom living with a kingdom rationale for the instruction itself, a description, if you would, of kingdom life. Let me read verses 9 to 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Well, in these verses, Jesus is really asking us to embrace what I want to call a primary kingdom reality. And that is this, that we, those of us who have entered into the kingdom by faith in Jesus, we are the children of God, and God is our Father. Now, Let me just focus in on that word father for a little while. It's introduced for the first time by Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 at the beginning in the teaching on the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Literally, it's the word Abba. Many of you will know this. And that word speaks to an intimate relationship between a child and a dad. It's actually our dad, you who are in heaven, our daddy. It's speaking to that sort of connectedness, that, that kind of loving relationship, father to child child to father. Jesus comes back to it in the passage we looked at last week. You know, your father knows that you need what you need, so leave it to him to provide. Your dad's on it. He's not going to leave you without. He's going to take care of you. He loves you that much. He comes here to this this teaching, and essentially what he is saying is you have a dad who really, really loves you. You, you have a dad who will give you what you ask of him because he is good and because he wants to give to you the things you need. 
And Jesus hammers this point home by comparing our heavenly dad with our earthly dads. It's, it's like being a dad and having a child who is hungry, Jesus says, and, and when they ask you for food, what do you do? Well, you give it to them. You, you, you know, a child comes to you hungry and says, Dad, can I have a piece of bread? Well, you don't give them a stone. Or if, they come to, if your child comes and they're hungry and they say, Dad, will you give me a piece of fish? I'm hungry. I need to eat something. Well, you don't give them a snake. Like, you just don't do that. <laughs> and he goes on to say, you know, you who are evil, what he's speaking of is the reality of we who have been deeply impacted by sin. It's, as Paul says in his epistles, it's this force, this power that's at work within us. You who are evil, if you know how to do what is good for your children, if you, if you love your kids enough to give to them what they actually ask for and what they need, if you have this desire to give to your kids, how much more is God going to have this love and this desire to be good to his children when they ask him for something? They go back to those, those, those dads who might give a stone instead of bread. They'd end up leaving their kids hungry. And think about the potential of a dad giving, instead of fish, you know, throwing a snake at their child. I mean... At best, it's a cruel joke. At worst, it's evil because you leave your child not only hungry, but afraid of a snake. And what Jesus is saying is, my, my people, God, your dad is not like that. You have a God who, who loves you as his children exponentially more than a good earthly father cares for and loves his children and wants to do good to them. What Jesus is saying is, of course, your dad will give you, his children, what you ask for. Of course he will. This is a given in the kingdom of heaven. This is, this is the reality of what you are now a part of. It's not even a question with God what God will do when you come to him and you ask him for what you need. So ask, Jesus says, and it will be given to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Just logical, it just makes sense, based entirely on who your father is. Now, why does this not happen a whole lot more in our lives? Why is it that we who are in the kingdom don't experience this as a common reality as part of living in the kingdom? Well, let me suggest this, because... There are not many people who think of God in these terms who live within the kingdom. Um, when we think of God too often, we think of God as the God who is a judge, who's going to condemn us for the way we've lived. We think of a God who is unhappy with us because we haven't measured up. We think of a God who is disappointed because we haven't been good enough. And in that thinking, we absolutely deny the work that Jesus has done for us on the cross. We deny the reality of our sin being entirely forgiven. We deny the reality that, as I spoke about last week, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. It is given to us in his holiness. So that when the God the Father, our dad, looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our sin. 
He sees the righteousness of Jesus. See, if I, if I could put it a different way, unlike Jesus, we tend to paint God with a pretty negative brush and don't see him as he really is. And our thoughts about how God feels toward us don't tend to be dominated by his extensive and deep and powerful love that he has for us and the goodness that dwells in his heart to the core of his being. Mm. We tend to conceive of a God who either doesn't care that much about us or who, or who is pretty unhappy with us and not predisposed toward giving to us what we ask of him. You see what Jesus is getting at here? This is important. If you are going to live fully in the kingdom, if you're going to experience the full reality of kingdom living, we've got to come to terms with this. What he's getting at is that we need to really believe about this God who rules and reigns this kingdom. Not just in our heads, but at the core of our being. You know, particularly when it comes to understanding our relationship with God as his children. How much does that God care about you? And what will he do with your requests as a result? That's it. I heard recently a phrase, uh, two, two sentences actually, that I think ac actually capture the essence of this passage. And I would cite the person who spoke it, if I could remember where it came from. It was on a podcast, and I listened to a lot of podcasts. But I made note of these two little sentences, and I want you to do the same. I want you to hold on to them. I want you to dwell on, on them this week. And I want you to remember them when you ask anything of, of your dad, God. And the two sentences are these. Number one, to love is to want to be asked. To love is to want to be asked. And secondly, to love is to want to give. Now think about those. Think about the first one. To love is to want to be asked. Listen, we have a God in heaven who loves us so much that if we have a need in our lives, that God wants us to approach him with that need. He wants us to ask. He doesn't want to be sidelined. He doesn't want us to deal with our issues and our problems and our difficulties and our needs all on our own. He doesn't want to be left out of the scenario. He wants us to come to him so that, and, and ask him for what we need. It's in his heart. It's his desire. If we are hungry, to use the... the, the illustration Jesus gives here, he doesn't want us to, 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 to live hungry. He wants us to come and say, Dad, I need food. To love is to want to be asked. And then to love is to want to give. Now that's powerful to me. And I want to say to you, God loves you infinitely more than you love your children. Or any human parent, as good as they might be, love their kids. God loves us exponentially more than any human parent loves their child. And as a result, he wants to be asked, <laughs> and he wants to, he desires to. It is in his heart to give us what we ask of him. You know, it's really interesting as I, I look at the... Uh, 
this text and, and, and you move out of the Sermon on the Mount from chapter 7 into chapter 8, and it begins to describe the ministry of Jesus. And one of the, or the first incident that Jesus has as he comes down from the mountain, I'll read that to you in a minute, but he he comes away from this distinct and unique teaching about kingdom living, is that he is approached by a leper, a man with leprosy, who asks to be healed. And I want to read this to you. It's uh, Matthew 8, verses 1 to 3. And I want you to notice the heart of God in terms of his intention, and in terms of his desire, as is reflected in the person of Jesus. Remember, we're told that Jesus is the exact representation of God in Hebrews. The exact representation of God the Father is seen in the person of Jesus the Son. So listen to these these few verses, 1 to 3. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Hmm. Did you hear that, my friends? Um, The question that was posed was whether Jesus was willing, whether he desired to heal whether he wanted to. And the answer is absolutely clear. It's unequivocal. Jesus said, I am willing. Hmm. Are you hearing about the heart of God toward you now? Are you understanding his love for you? Um, His desire to know your need from your praying? His eagerness to respond? what you ask of him as your heavenly dad. Mm. My friends, he is eager and he is ready to answer our prayers to give us what we need simply because we ask of him. Simply because we come as a child into the presence of our father and we let him know it's on our hearts. We tell him what we need. Now, I'm going to do this briefly so as to not miss the point that I've just given to you, the primary point of this sermon. I don't want to take away from it, but what about these comments that's, that we hear commonly about um, sometimes not getting our prayers answered? Well, let me, let me just go through them quickly. Number one, it's true. God does not want to give you the, anything that is outside his will, anything that is not good for you or for me. God won't give us. Good dads don't give us bad things. That's the point of this passage, isn't it? But I want to tell you, there are hundreds and hundreds, no, there are thousands of things that are clearly delineated in Scripture that do define the will of God for us. They tell us clearly what the Lord wants for us, and we can go into His presence, and we can ask Him for those things, and guess what God will do? He will give them to us (laughs) because He loves us. And yes, timing is a critical reality. Um, God's timing is always best. Most of the prayers that God answers for me are not in my timing. I wish they were sometimes. But his timing is always best. But he still answers, as he has promised. And yes, you have to have faith in order for prayer to be answered. But note the story in Matthew chapter 8 of the the man with leprosy who was healed. The question was not whether he would believe that 
he would be healed. That wasn't at issue in his mind. Because, you see, what he knew, what he believed with all of his heart was that Jesus could heal him if indeed he was willing. He didn't know that Jesus was going to do it, but he knew that Jesus could, and that's all it took. More passages like that in the New Testament than you would know. And yes, there are times God does say no. It's, you know, again, maybe not in his will for us. It's not the best for us. But I just don't think when God's children come into his presence and tell him about what they need or what, the, what it is that, 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 that they're asking for, that he just says no and walks away and, 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 and leaves us alone and, and doesn't respond. No, I think he responds in a better way than we've asked. And yes, this direct teaching of this passage is not about our wants. It is about our needs, clearly. And quite frankly, if we have need in our lives, this text is a promise to us that God will give to us what we need. But I think if truth be told, the reality is that God loves you and me so, so much that he often gives us what we want too. Doesn't the uh, Old Testament clearly say that the Lord will give us the desire of our hearts? So today, I really want to ask you in all sincerity, what do you need? We're going to have time in a few minutes again just to quietly, each of us on our own, bow our heads in the presence of our dad, know his love, <laughs> remember his desire for us to approach him and to be asked and remember his desire to, to give out of that love. Um, but what is it that you need today? Whatever you need, it's a promise. It's a sure bet in the kingdom that God will give to us what that is. Is it money? A lot of people today struggling because they don't have enough money. Is it a job? Is it health, healing that you need? health that you want to be maintained? Is there a relationship that's just really central to your life that needs to be repaired because it's somehow being broken? Is, is, is it something that you need in your heart uh, that, that will allow for a relationship to be healed? Do you need the capacity to forgive when you don't want to forgive? Do you need the capacity to show grace to someone who has wronged you? who doesn't deserve to be treated well or even forgiven? Do you need a spouse? Do you need someone in your life to become a believer who isn't? Do you need guidance uh, for a particular decision that you need to take? My goodness, God wants to lead us in the right direction and he wants to guide us. Do you need your heart changed? I think of the fruit of the Spirit. Here's an example of how the will of God just, is, it just keeps rising out of Scripture. Do you need more love in your heart than hate or apathy toward people? Do you need joy in your life because that doesn't characterize your life? Do you need peace instead of conflict and struggle? Do you need patience because you're impatient. Do you need kindness because you're not? Do you need goodness? Do you need faithfulness? Do you need gentleness? Do you need self-control? What do you need? Do you need freedom from a sin 
that has so taken hold of your life that you can't break free from it so as to be able to live according to the righteousness of God? My friends, what do you need? What do you need? Because I want to tell you, you have a, a father in heaven. You have a dad who loves you. More than you know, more than you can know. Not only does he want to hear, he wants to respond. We're going to watch a video now. Some of you might have seen this before. Uh, it's, it's simply entitled, A Father's Love Letter, I believe. But we're going to watch this. You're going to be reminded about who God is through this medium. And then we'll come together again and we'll pray. Watch this. See, my friends, that's the kind of God we have. And the issue, the, the central issue in what I'm describing is whether you believe him to be what he has revealed of himself or not. Do you know that God is this dad of immense and deep and profound love for you? We're going to pray now. I'm going to just give you some time and, and wherever you find yourself at the moment, I imagine most of you are sitting in your homes, some of you on your own, some of you with family. But let's just take this time together, um, a minute or so, and, and just approach God, each of us in our own way, based upon our own need. As we go, remember, to love is to want to be asked. And to love is to want to give. That is the heart of our God. So let's come together uh, now and in silence, the quietness of your own hearts. Let's, let's ask God to meet our need so that he will know and then act to meet that need so that we will receive from the hand of God what we have asked for. Let's pray. Lord God, you are our dad. And you are a God of love. Profound love for your children. And you are a God who has promised to respond to the, the requests that we make of you. Ask and it will be given to you, Jesus said. This is the reality of the kingdom. So Lord, all across Oxford County and beyond, your children sit in your presence right now. And we're just going to take a, a, a moment of time so that each of us might ask you for what we need. So hear as we pray. And then God respond out of your heart of love.
Our Heavenly Father, Dad, you have heard the asks of your children. And we believe with all of our hearts that you have heard and that you will respond. God, we, we want to step more fully into kingdom living. We want to experience the reality of what it means to be yours, to be part of this new dynamic that Jesus established where you're our king, where he is our king, and where we're your precious children, where we can live for you, building your kingdom, kingdom living out your righteousness. But Lord, more than that, encountering you, answering our prayers in beautiful and remarkable and, and, and even surprising ways. God, we pray that we, each of us, all of us, will discover your reality at work in our lives based on the requests that we have made to you today. Show us the kingdom reality. Help us to live it. Help us to experience it simply because we've acted based on this passage of Scripture. Lord, you call us to ask and we wait for you now to give. And we do so based on the authority of Scripture or the authority of Jesus' words. Lord, we anticipate what you will do as you prove yourself to us again to be the living, loving, powerful God that you are. God, we love you as your children. We commit ourselves to you again. We commit ourselves to building your kingdom, to living out your righteousness. We want to know you more. We want to love you more. We want to live for you more. Lord, open our eyes to help us to see the kingdom that we are a part of. Help us to be just amazed at your reality time and time again as we ask and as you give. Help us to live in love for you and know your love for us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for being with us today. Uh, I, I'm just thrilled that many of us can connect this way, and I'm just so thankful that it's, it's possible and that it's happening. I just, uh, just wish God's blessing on you for this week, and I, I pray that you will really know not only his presence, but in his time, the answer to your, your prayer today. Live in his love. Love him back. I'll live for Jesus. God bless you.